Father, Lord, as we bow our heads tonight, we want to adore your name and sing, Lord, with the angels as they did the shepherds. Glory to God in the highest. We want to lift up your name, Jesus, tonight. You're not a little baby in a manger, but you're alive amongst your people. You've been birthed, Lord, in your word in this hour. We want to make room for you tonight. On a Sunday night, Lord, we want to make room for you in our worship, in our time, in our adoration. May you come to this little service at Cloverdale Bible Way. And Lord, fill our hearts with your presence. We want to surrender tonight more and more of our hearts. Just take us, Lord, tonight as our brother Joe Waldner prayed. Would you bless the service? Would you give us of your nearness? We just love to be in a place where you are, Lord. Take us now, Father. Multiply your goodness into our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Nice to see you tonight. We'll turn to the scripture, Luke chapter 2 together. Remember Brother Murphy that is ministering in Renton. In just a few minutes, they start at 5.30 there. So we remember Brother uh, Murphy Wong and his family, those that traveled down with him. We thank the Lord for brothers and sisters. Amen. And, and we also uh, want to welcome Brother Timothy Onotoko and Sister Chantel that came back and their family. We want to welcome them. Amen. Let Brother Timothy know. We appreciate that. Sister Helen Billisberger is still in the hospital and we want to keep remembering her. Uh, last Sunday, they almost lost her. There's uh, poisoning went through her system and they couldn't uh, operate. And so they gave her an antibiotic and she recovered well. But, you know, our bodies are very fragile and we thank the Lord for healing and bringing our sister back. It's a time for their family. So we pray that the Lord will do something for them. Amen. Luke chapter two, real familiar uh, scripture this time of the year. And... Um, We'll read this together. Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the how of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered so she was nine months pregnant, we would say. Great with child and about to be delivered. Verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Let's keep reading a little bit about the shepherds. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. 
And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. It's exactly the way the word said. Hallelujah. You didn't find him at the shopping mall. But neither was he down at the synagogue. They all missed him. It was shepherds. And whenever there's a lamb born, shepherds are around. Hallelujah. God bless you tonight. You can have your seats. We're going to be looking at verse 7 a little bit tonight. Or the thought there. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Tonight I want to speak on there is room in the inn in 2018. There's room in the inn. And we're going to look at that in just a few minutes and go into that. But I was just finishing. Uh, some of you might have remembered some months ago we mentioned our family was going through the Hebrews book. And we finally finished it on a Friday night, I think it was. But there was one quote as we were closing the Hebrews book that I wanted to share. And Brother Branham was speaking. Uh, he said he took his dead body from the grave on the first day of the week and brought it up into heaven and set it there as the high priest as a memorial setting there perfect forever. And he sent the spirit that he tore out of that body right back on the church. And that church will have to have the same spirit that was in that body or it won't dovetail with it in the resurrection. Those two pieces must come perfectly together. And here's what I was so striking. If this church isn't perfectly just exactly the same spirit that was in Christ, you'll never go in the rapture. I thought what a privilege it is for us to have the same spirit that was in Jesus. To be in us. And to have him come back down in our generation and come perfectly with the same spirit that was in Christ. Getting us ready for the rapture. Is that wonderful? For unto you is born the word of God. Now as we, as we come into this thought tonight on there is room. And I don't want to be lengthy tonight. But at this time of the year, here we are at a December the 9th. 2018 and and none of us can get away from it you drive down the roads and there's streets and there's lights and there's trees and there's even walking into the malls and the stores there's uh, uh songs of christmas and there's songs about this time of the year even though we know jesus was not born in december the 25th is that right there was a snow in the hills of judea 
at this time of the year. Jesus was born in about April, sometime when all lambs are born. And Brother Branham was speaking about that in Jeffersonville on December 25th, a message there when he spoke on the deity. This is the first message that he spoke, a Christmas message. And when we close tonight, I'll, I'll speak out of his last message. He spoke on why it had to be shepherds. But he was talking about, um, for a background, how the world is celebrating the birth of Jesus and how it's just become a tradition. And how Jesus wasn't born on December 25th and how the hills of Judea was full of snow and things. But according to the stars and astrology and things, he was born around the 1st of April when it was springtime. But he said, this is a day, and it was December the 25th when he spoke this. This is a day which is all right, which is set aside to worship in memorial of his coming to the world. One of the greatest gifts that God ever gave to the world was Jesus Christ. And I thank God for that. No matter what the world may do, we have the privilege of worshiping it with a true revelation. And you'll never find in the whole message, Brother Branham speaking a Christmas message at Easter time. It was always this time of the year. So we take that as believers that it was the Holy Spirit bringing us the true meaning of Christmas. Amen. So it's not something we have to cringe or don't talk about or, you know, you can't, you know, sing a Christmas song or talk about Christmas just because the world's made it a a tradition. It's not a tradition to us. In fact, there's a lot of people this time of the year. It's a lonely time for many people because around the holidays and Christmas, especially they've lost loved ones or maybe they don't have a family and we are their family. I was with a couple uh, last evening, uh, I think they're in their 50s or 60s, and they had lost all four, uh, their father and mother on both sides, the husband and wife, they lost all four of them last year between January and October. Just in 10 months, they had lost four, uh, their father and mother on both sides. I thought, that's amazing. So at this time of the year, on holiday time, it's an empty time for many But I believe the true uh, meaning of Christmas, which is Christ, can fill that kind of a void. Do we believe that tonight? So this greatest gift that God ever gave to the world was Jesus. Brother Branham said he wanted to speak that morning on the deity of who he was, the little baby that came down in the cradle. And how it was just one of the pictures in this drama. He was talking about how he came down. All the way back from Genesis, it's prophesied that the woman's seed would bruise the serpent's head, promising this child, Christ Jesus. And he'd been down all through the prophets. Every prophet that was ever wrote in the Bible spoke of his first and second coming, that he would come to the world. And Jesus comes three times, he said. The first time he comes to redeem his church. The second time he comes to receive his church. And the third time he comes with his church. I'm thankful that he came the first time. But he's coming again in our day. And this was the thought as we read in Luke chapter uh, 2 verse 7. It's a very striking scripture. If you'd like to turn back there in Luke chapter 2 verse 7. When he came in his first coming, there was no room in the inn. 
He's coming in his second coming. What is it going to be today? Is there room in your life for his coming? Or is it going to be where scripture is repeated again and there's no room? We could take the negative and say there's no room today in the churches and the people. But I wanted to take it on the positive. I want to speak back to him and say there is room. In 2018, we have room for Jesus. But when you look in verse 7, how uh, Joseph and Mary, Mary was a, a teenager. They were a spouse. That means they were engaged to be married. In verse 7, she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, we understand that scripture must be fulfilled. He had to be born in simplicity. We're going to read a little bit in Leviticus, but she didn't even have enough to bring a lamb to his circumcision. They were very poor people. They had to bring turtle doves, which was if you didn't have a lamb, you bring turtle doves. It really speaks of a lot of what you and I have to offer is very, very little. But when we see there is no room for them in the inn, it's very shocking. Because most of the time, whenever a king is born, there's a lot of pomp and music and ceremony. But here's the king of glory being born. And, and he didn't come to the priest. He didn't come to the choirs of Jerusalem or to Bethlehem, to the churches. And they didn't roll out the red carpet and announce, he's here. He had to come into a stable place, into a humble, smelly little place, to shepherds, to people that were just like of the wilderness, we would say. And verse 8 talks about shepherds abiding in the field. Those were the ones that would receive the message. And Brother Branham said that's why he appeared to the shepherds is because they were the ones that would receive the message. And friends, when you hear Brother Branham speak about that, it ought to be something in our hearts. That's why God appeared to us. He knew you would receive the message. Praise be to God. All all of these simple things around Christmas should mean more this year. Don't shove it to the back of your mind and say, well, we don't talk about those things. It's very real. But when I was reading uh, verse 7 this week, there was no room for them in the end. I thought, what a what a picture. Here you have a, a man, maybe in his 40s or so, Joseph, and then a teenage young lady pregnant coming on this journey on, on a mule because of the taxes. And so many would have been maybe cursing the governor and talking about the politics or, oh, they don't need this. What an inopportune time for us to have to come to Bethlehem. But scripture was being fulfilled. Do we understand that in our little lives tonight, scripture is being fulfilled? Even while we're sitting in this church building, scripture's coming to pass. It's not that there's always needs to be trumpets and blarings. But I want to bring to you tonight this question. There was no room for them in the inn. Is there room for him in the inn tonight? We speak about the room, R-O-O-M. I want you to think of our day, 2018, and bring it back to there was no room for them. 
When you speak about room, it speaks about a place. There was no place for him. There was no quarters. There was no... They knocked on the door and there was no vacancy. No, we don't have no room. Don't you have a little bed? Don't you have a little private motel room? A queen-size room? It's a little... You know, just a twin. Just a little... A little cool place, a, a warm place, I should say, that we could have a, a, the birth of the Messiah. There was no room. They kept getting a no, a no. No room in the end. I tell you, friends, if they would have known it was the Messiah, would you have given up your king-size room? You know, your double suite, your resort. There was no resort. There's no room in the resort. There's no room in the whole coast. If you look in the Hebrew, it means there was no rock for him to lay his head on. There was no place of refuge. There was no place for them in that time for Jesus to be born. And you bring it up to today, people have no place for Jesus. They have no time for him in their schedule. And we're going to get into that in a little bit, how much time we spend spend doing certain things in our daily schedule just to make some more room for God. Is there some more room we can make for God? At Cloverdale Bible Way, is there some more room we can make for Him? Could you at least throw out a sleeping bag? Or if you knew it was Him, would you give Him your bed? I'll sleep in, the, in this other place, but this is Jesus. If you look it up further in the Hebrew, there was no room for them. It means there was no portion or no space marked off for him. There was no inhabited place in the city or village or district for Jesus to be born. There was no condition. There was no station that opened up their door and said, come on in. There was no company. There was no assembly. There was no church. There was no opportunity for him in the end. There was no place for his power to be shown. I mean, how many of you would have loved to have him been born in your house? To have it recorded, he was born in our house. Like the family of Obadiah made a place. And the house, the Hoffmans, made a way for him. He was born in Brother Benjamin's bedroom. And forever throughout the ages it would be, there was room at their, at their place. Wouldn't that be fantastic? But the Bible says there's no room for him in the inn. Just shove him off to where the cows are. Just put him where the mules are and the sheep and the goats. Just put him out there where there is no air conditioning, no heating, and no, you know, uh, there is no things of necessity to make Mary feel comfortable. And in fact, this is just another baby. This is taxation time. We've all got burdens and we've all got our schedules. We've all got our problems. Just let them go out there on the outskirts somewhere. But when the Bible says there was no room, that means there was no opportunity they gave him. They gave him no Power to move in their lives or in their families. There was no occasion that they even acted on to say it's okay. And when we speak about the end, 
There is room in the inn. That means there was no guest chamber for him. There was no lodging place. There was no place for an eating room or a dining room. Today we would say there was no room in the motel. There was no room in the uh, in the hotel. We would say there was no room in the whole city. There was no vacancy and neon lights. So he just had to go into the outskirts somewhere. To where lambs are born. To where sheep are born. To people that maybe don't brush their teeth and aren't worried about their ties or their dresses or their purses or, you know, their shoes coming into the, they might step in the manure. They didn't really care. They had heard from an angel. In fact, the whole heavens were filled with angels. Friends, I don't know where you live tonight, but make sure it's a place where angels like to come. Where people are shouting glory to God in the highest and aren't cursing under their breath. And aren't giving one another wine bottles and packs of cigarettes. We don't feel comfortable here in Canada and America where they make cannabis legal. Don't give me a little bottle of cannabis because it's legal. It's not an appropriate gift. It's not what we do. Give me a little bit of hallelujah and praise God. Give me a little skin, brother. Give me somebody that has the Holy Ghost. Give me a prayer when we're needy and in trouble. Give me somebody that has a prayer life that can touch the throne of God. There's a need in the church. And when there's a burden, you say, I got shoulders. To carry you this Christmas. We need to stop thinking about just ourselves. And the top three things that we would want for Christmas this year. It's time to make more room in the end. And give Jesus. And give his body. And give his people some room. I want to say tonight on behalf of Cloverdale Bible Way. There is room in the end. Is that okay? There's room. We want to give him a place. We want to give him a resting place. Brother Branham preached a whole message on what house will you build me? He's talking about a question that, that God asked. What house will you build me? And I was thinking about this in relation to the scripture. There was no room for him in the inn. What house will you build for him? What house will I build for the Lord Jesus this Christmas? Are we just all so busy? Is it just a vacation block on our calendars? Is it just days off of school and off of our work? Is it just gathering around a fireplace with a coat and or gathering around with loved ones? Is that what it's all about? Is it just lights and presents and trees and traveling? Or can we approach it more spiritual and say, what house or what place can we give him a greater station, a greater condition in our lives? Is there room? 
Or is it all being repeated all over again? There's no room. There's no room, Lord, for you. We've got you in a certain box. We got you in a certain day. And then to the Jews, it was Saturday. To the Gentiles, it's Sunday. And to certain times of the year, people sing in their choirs. And it's amazing. You can go into stores now and hear songs about Jesus. And peace on earth. And joy to the world. And they have no peace. And they really don't have joy. But what's more heart burdening about that is when you see believers, it's become the same. It's become more believers that have received the message of the hour, which is Christ. Have allowed their lives to become so diluted down to where there is no joy. There is no peace. And I pray it would never become where it's just songs to us. And we put on a smile and and we quote scriptures. And we raise our families. And we know what to say, when to say it and how to say it. But really when it gets down to it, there's no room in our hearts. I pray he would fill it this Christmas. If that is you, I pray the Lord Jesus... Even with tonight's service, would you, you could open up your door as he came in his first coming and there was no room in the inn. But in the second coming, let there be room. Tonight, you can say, I want to make more room for him. Brother Branham was speaking in Jeffersonville on Christmas. He said, today the church has soup suppers, pie suppers. See who can dress the best and go into the church for pomp. Who's got the best church and the best seats and who can play this and who can do that, but no room. All the time they got something else to do. They got all kinds of time to do, but prayer. They can't pray anymore. They got something else to do. They can't pray anymore, he said. They they just can't serve God like they used to. No room for him in the end. He said, and this is the end time, friends. No room for him in the end. Of course, I know what that end meant, but I've been referring to this end. So it's not just tonight we're doing that, but Brother Branham was talking about there's no room in that end. We know what that was, but he's talking about today. There's no room in their prayer life. And the church can just be a place like that of singing and dressing and we come and that's the time. But there's no room. God, don't let it be that way this year. He goes on to talk about Santa Claus and Kris Kringle. I I remember as a little boy in school, it was a public school, and they read the history of of Kris Kringle. And he said, Brother Branham was talking about it. He said, a German Catholic saint years ago, an old man went about doing good. Does anybody know the story? And he would make little toys and, and put it around people's houses at nighttime. He came at nighttime, put little wooden toys and things around people. Chris Crinkle, he's a Catholic man, an old man. And today he said it's become almost a worship. He said it's right down. Uh, he says that they tell the little kitties. He said it's all right to tell the kitties whatever you want to do as far as I'm concerned. But the thing of it is, it's so easy to fall in that rut on the other side. And push out Christ. The real fundamentals. He's talking about how people have made Santa Claus. Chris Crinkle. Such a a fantasy story. To where they push out Christ. 
and push out. They can have presents and family gatherings and, you know, pop open this and eat this. And they have no time for the word. God help us. He said, a man of Chris Crinkle instead of the real Christmas. No room for him in the inn. He's talking about no room for Jesus. It's all drawn down. He said, I know it's getting late, he said. In another message in, in Illinois, he said, there was no room for them in the inn. Talking about Joseph and Mary. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him and just reached up there and took this cloth off of the yoke and wrapped it around his body. Let's go back to Luke a little bit here. Luke chapter 2. Brother Branham's describing how now they had been in the stable, in in the manger, and Mary just reached up there and grabbed a cloth that was used for the yoke where the oxen, that's why it's called swaddling cloth, because it was a cloth that went around uh, oxen's neck so that it wouldn't uh, get bloody as the as the oxen would, would work. And she that's what was wrapped around Jesus. Not a pretty blue bank blanket. But a teenage girl just picked up what was near to her and was going to bring Jesus to church to get circumcised. And we see this in verse 21, Luke 2, 21, when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. To offer, verse 24, a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. I I want you to hold that right there. Brother Bradham's in in the message talking about he she took off this cloth, cloth of the yoke. She had it in her hand. Not a little lamb, but a beautiful lamb washed and all fixed, pretty for the high priest or the sacrifice. But she was poor, a little turtle dove in her hand, a peasant's offering. I can hear them say, do you know who that is standing there? That's that woman who had a baby out of holy wedlock. Don't stand near her. Stand back. Holding their mouth, you know, stand back. Don't stand around where she's at. She's just a girl. She's a prostitute. But down in little Mary's heart, she knew what she was. Brother Michael, you're stepping out here, but I'm referring back to Wednesday night. There was something that struck me from Brother Michael's service, and that was when he talked about Rahab. And when she let down the spies by the scarlet cord... How many days that had to hang out there? If you look in the Bible, the days, it wasn't just overnight. She had to bear the reproach of the scarlet cord. She is a prostitute. But it hung out there for days. And it struck me like never before on Wednesday night that the reproach that some of you have to bear for Christ. 
But don't let it just be like a business or, oh, we got the spies down and pull it up. Oh, when Joshua and they come to, to the city, we'll let it down. Bear the reproach. She's like a prostitute. Just, But she had come to the place, just leave it out there. I need a true token. This is my way out of this place. And some of you, I want to encourage you tonight. You might have to hang it out there in front of your family. Hang it out there in front of, on the business or in your neighborhood. They, they laugh at you. They scoff at you. They cover their mouth. Well, look at that teenager that's in the line there. She had a baby out of wedlock. But down in her heart, Brother Branham said, she knew what she was. What we need this Christmas is a revelation. Because if God would drop that down into your heart, you'd be able to stand there. So many are falling out of line because they really don't have a revelation. And they're embarrassed. Make room to just stand in line. Just stand there with with your little turtle dove. Most of the other ones had a lamb. They had a lamb, a little four-legged creature, a little lamb that showed that they could bring their lamb. It's a type of Christ. She was so poor that she was bringing a peasant's offering. Just hold your finger there in Luke and go to Leviticus chapter 12, verse 8. I want to bring to you tonight something that might encourage some here that God's not looking for all the pomp and ceremony and wealth of Laodicea. He's looking for a humble heart. Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, chapter 12, verse 8. I want to bring to you how Mary and Joseph, they were bringing an offering that showed that they were poor. They were peasants. Leviticus 12, verse 8. Speaking of after the time being for the purifying, after a child, a young man was to be born. Verse 7 talked about how she shall be cleansed from the issue of her blood. Verse 8, one verse. But if she be not able to bring a lamb, then she shall bring two turtles. Speaking about turtle doves. Or two young pigeons. The one for the burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for her and she shall be clean. Verse 8 is speaking about if you're not able to bring a lamb to bring turtle doves or pigeons. Mary and Joseph were so poor, they were like peasants. When it came to the time to bring, this is the Messiah. This is Christ the Lord. This is all that was in God poured down into a little baby. That cried and wept when it turned over in the manger. I was speaking to the BCA little children on Friday. When Jesus turned over in the manger and some hay stuck up in him, he cried. He was a baby. He wasn't just the perfect role model child. He wetted his diaper if they had such. He cried when he was needy of of some food. 
The Messiah. God. I'm trying to bring this down of this being something way out there, right down into our lives to let you know the King of glory, God Almighty, that created the world, came down into a little baby. And you and I think we're so big and so smart and we just got the world at our fingertips. And God Almighty that had the world in his fingertips came down and was so vulnerable. So vulnerable to come down into a little baby. What if a coyote would have came? What if a, a, what if, you know, you know, three bears would have came and, and, and stolen the baby? What if some soldiers would have came? What if some robbers would have came and, and killed them and took their little baby? It couldn't happen. God put his life down inside of a little baby to entrust that to them. Can he take care of you? Can he take care of your life and my life? God is so big. All of our problems in this whole building and on the internet and the nursery means nothing to God. He can do whatever he wants to. He bore the sin of the world. The little baby became an adolescent, became a teenager, became a 20-year-old, became a 33-year-old. To bear life so that he would be able tonight to know what we're going through. He got tired. He got sick. He lost friends. Believe me, they were making fun of him too standing in that line. Because if Mary had committed that sin and brought forth a child out of wedlock, that means the little child was, was damned too. They had no time for, they were misjudging the word. Friends, they're going to do the same in your life. And many times we devalue the deity in our own lives. But verse 24, Luke 2, 24, shows us that she just brought a pair of turtle doves or pigeons like a peasant's offering. Brother Branham said, I, I'm just repeating this. He's saying in, the, in Zion, Illinois, I can hear them say, do you know who that is standing there? That woman with the baby born out of wedlock. Don't stand near her. Stand back, holding their mouth, you know, stand back. Don't stand around where she is. She's just a girl. She's just a prostitute. But down in little Mary's heart, she knew what she was. And Brother Branham said, you might say, look at that fanaticism. Look at that. But remember, down in their heart, they know where they stand. That would be good for all of us this Christmas. To say, God, give me a rock solid experience. So that I would know where I stand, Lord. Where people might shove you back and don't have the time of the day for you. You ought to be able to say, I know where I'm going. Do you know where you're going? Maybe that's why many people don't have room for him this Christmas. Even in the message, they're shoving him back. We're going to look at it just now. Because yesterday I was so interested in how much time we actually spend doing certain things. So I was looking up mobile devices and tablets and cell phones. 
Because I was thinking, if people are spending so much time here, yet there's no room for Christ. There's no time for prayer. There's no time for consecration. So I looked it up and there's a study in the United States that shows that United States consumers actually spend over five hours a day on mobile devices. He said about, they said 86% of that time was taken up by smartphones. Meaning we spend about four hours and 15 minutes on our mobile phones every day. So you take mobile cell phones, you take tablets, mobile devices. U.S. consumers spend over five hours a day on mobile devices. Would you agree they've made room? Yes. Have they made room? They've made room for something in their life. Watching television in 2017 alone, uh, the average U.S. consumer spent 238 minutes, that's three hours and 58 minutes daily watching TV. That's almost four hours. That's the average of everyone in the United States. And according to this report, this is last year, United States adults are watching five hours and four minutes of television per day on average. That's 35.5 hours a week, slightly more than 77 days per year. 77 days of the whole year is spent watching television. That's incredible. We, we should be spiritual giants in the message. My goodness. If the average United States adults are watching five hours and four minutes of television per day, what are we doing with that five hours? There's another statistic that shows this is about social media. I'm speaking about room in a person's life. Is there room for God? Social media, the average daily usage of social media worldwide as of 2017, the daily social media usage of global Internet users amounted to 135 minutes per day, up from 126 daily minutes the year before. That's over two hours. That's two hours and 15 minutes every day of social media. That's the average worldwide. And and I just want to say something. I would say amongst message people that don't have television, that statistic could be more. I'll just leave that with you. But there, there could be more room for him. There is room in the end. I was interested to know how much time was spent on hours that people work. People work in the United States, and I, I have it. It's all broke down here in ages, ages 16 and, uh, and, and age 16 and 19, 20 to 24, and they, they have it all broken down to the genders. Uh, men work an average of 40.8 hours per week. That's 40.8 hours per week in employment. Women work an average of 36 hours per week. Married men work 4.6 hours more per week. Than those that aren't married. Married women worked 1.6 hours more than women who were uh, never married. This is their work. The average. They're spending time. They're spending room. They, they got energy to do something. 
What about video games? The average, this is 2016, the average American age 15 and older spent 15 minutes playing video games. But if you exclude people who played no video games at all, so we're talking about real gamers, video gamers, the typical gamer spent over two hours per day playing games in 2016. So a real video gamer has made room for something in their life. Video games. They're a real gamer. Say, I spend over two hours per day. That's the average in 2016. Each day, how much do you drive? The average American drives 25 miles a day and spends an average of one hour behind the wheel per day. Brother Tim talked about uh, that he wouldn't want to listen to rock and roll music driving down the road. But what are you listening to? You can listen to the news, you can listen to some other music, or listen to a prophet, or you could just be silent. But uh, the average American drives an hour a day. Would you agree that that's, that's room? Do we agree? I'm trying to open up your heart to say whether you work, whether you sleep. Some, some people sleep. That was my average, the average person sleeps eight hours a day. That's a, that means an average person will sleep for 229,961 hours in their lifetime. Or basically one third of your life is sleeping. You're making room. Some of you have slept in the service already. Amen. You've made room. You're tired. You ate too much this afternoon. You've made room. Say, I'm just resting. But you, you might have missed a, something that God wanted to say. So church isn't the most premium place to sleep. And in the book of Acts, somebody fell out of a, a window and passed away. <laughs> but he was raised back to life again. I mean, that would have been a real testimony today. That would have went from Uganda to Canada in one day. Can you believe what happened? But what about all the other hundreds that stayed awake in the service? I mean, they were making room too. They were, some were shouting amen. Some were saying glory to God. Some caught a revelation. But it talks about the one that was making room for sleep. But he got resurrected. That's the one that, did you hear about that? He got rose from the dead last week. Wow, brother. That's incredible, brother. Zoe, that's incredible. That was you. Wow. It's almost like the Hoffmans, you know, being put down into the Bible. They they made room for Jesus. He was born in Brother Benjamin's bedroom. He made room. Or are you just going to be like many other people that they just sleep away their life? So we could talk about sleeping. It's making room. We have time to sleep. We have time to eat food. The average American spends 67 minutes per day eating and drinking beverages. No, <laughs> my wife saying no. I read that to my quote. She said, but, but you can drink and eat while you're doing other things. 67 minutes per day eating and drinking. That means if you took your whole lifetime, you spend over 32 hours eating and drinking. You're making room and some it's a lot of room and, and you're making circles. <laughs> 
Yes. So whether it's eating, driving, sleeping, working. I, I don't believe that we should be workaholics. I, I'll just speak this very uh, clearly and move along. I don't believe if we're planning to go in the rapture that we, sh- we should be working all the time. We either need to downsize and simplify our life. We need to be in church. We need to be in fellowship. You need to be around the saints. We should have more friends that are believers than people that aren't believers. And if we hurt your feelings when we say that, that means that you need to make some more room. Say, but when I get around the believers, I, things happen and things are said and my feelings are hurt and I just feel more, no friends, that's, I'd rather spend a day in the presence of the Lord than a thousand with the wicked. God's people are great. So whether we're doing these things, working, driving, surfing the internet, you know, there's statistics on all this. How much time people are surfing the internet and watching TV. Even up to half of their leisure time is spent watching TV. So that four to five hours that the people in the world, that's their leisure time, they're watching TV. So what are we doing? You know, I'll be... um, I'll be open enough to say that YouTube has has crept right in. You know, news has crept right in. We wouldn't call it. I say, I don't have a television, but it creeps right in. And you need to be mindful. You're opening up your heart. You're making room. And even cleaning gets in here. Cleaning. And this is one of my last comments on this. But unless you're Mary Poppins, you probably don't like to clean very much. But it's something they, this certain article said most of us have to do. According to this article, women will spend 12,896 hours in their lifetime cleaning the home. Which is almost one and a half years of their lives. Is that incredible? That's a lot of time. I mean, what have you been doing last year? I'm, I'm cleaning. I'm making room. But what's your attitude like when you're cleaning? This house, my kids, my husband. Or is there room in your heart? Thank the Lord for my husband. Thank the Lord for my children. Do y'all remember they, they make the walls dirty and the windows dirty? Oh, these kids and get your hands off the windows and, or you can say thank the Lord for fingers. I mean friends, literally. Why should people of the world have it over on us? They talk about positive thinking and just smile through the trial and all these things. But as believers, there ought to be something that we're living life to the fullest. I mean, come on, friends. I mean, I'm not working here tonight. This is a pleasure to serve you. But we can make where everything in life is such a drudgery and that's all work. And friends, church should be... This is our A game. This is where we come together and we can blow it out the top and say, Hallelujah! I love Jesus! Or, or we can look down the aisle and say, weren't we so spiritual? So if you're going to spend a year and a half of your life cleaning, making room, 
And it's not a huge surprise, the article said, but men spend less time cleaning in their lifetime than women. Men spend around half of that, or 6,448 hours in their lifetime cleaning. And usually it's very fast, going here, there, and, and it's not as good as the ladies. I pray this time of the year that we would make more time for Jesus. Uh, it's just a thought coming to your heart tonight as believers. In his first coming, there was no room at the end. Are we going to allow that to happen again? Or can we say, Lord, I want to shake out of this rut. This Christmas, I'm going to give you the glory you deserve. I'm going to praise your name. Say, but I don't have a lot of finances. Who asked you for money or, or a lot of gifts? I wouldn't care if you gave me no gifts this Christmas, but if you just expressed your love to Jesus. Wouldn't that mean something, Brother Tim? If, if our church just erupted with a real spiritual revival and a real move of God and a real breaking out in the spirit, it wouldn't matter if we got a bonus or whether we made 10,000 more this year than last year. We had the spirit of God among us. He was moving. Or are you just going to let it be another year where there's no more room? And you're on your cell phone now more than ever. And you got time for this and that, but no time for the word. What a shame. Where did that five hours go that the world has for television? What are believers doing with that time? I'll tell you what, Satan has come in in a real highway robbery and stolen a lot of our joy and our peace. And it's time that we go to the enemy's camp and steal it back from him. That struck me this morning, Brother Tim, when he talked about um, Achan in the promised land. Achan made it to the promised land. He crossed Jordan and made it in the promised land. Can you believe it? And what did he do? He showed his colors right away. Don't be an Achan. Let it burn. You don't need that garment. In fact, you just buried it and it's just going to get a bunch of... What happened in the hole? What happened when he dug the hole and put it in there? The gold, the silver, the garment. It didn't help him anyway. And he lost his life. And his family suffered. Friends, these things are written for our examples. He made room for an attitude, for a thought. Oh, I got to have this and I'll do this. And oh, that'll look so good on me. And it, and it destroyed his life. Think about it. What's that time doing for you? It's not making you more godly, more spiritual. Is this coming across positive tonight? Lord Jesus, there is room in the end. Brother Branham said this, I just looked at my time, so we're doing okay. He said, no wonder there's no room for him in the end. We've just gone through a whole long list of things. No wonder there's no room. It wasn't wrapped in the classical paper around it. It was wrapped as a gift, as a gift from God, sent from God, a God that they didn't know nothing about. They claimed they did, and they claimed they was looking for him. But he didn't come in the way that they thought he was coming according to their creeds. And they could not receive God's gift. 
Isn't that a shame? Here's the gift. And everyone's like, no, no, we don't have room. We already have that queen size bed. We've already, someone's already paid for that room. We have no room. We have no place for you. We have no peace. We don't want your peace. We don't want the word. We don't want your atmosphere. We'd rather have, as we heard this morning, we'd rather have television influence our children. And it breaks homes. And alcohol has destroyed many homes. And yet they still get away with advertising and put it in on billboards and in stadiums. What if we put up a big stadium about Jesus or, you know, Malachi 4? They tear it down. What are you doing? This is, what, who is this? One day they'll shut down this church. And use it for a storehouse. One day, some of us will start to cross the border and we'll notice a bunch of U.S. people being called in and they're turning us all back. Then what are we going to do? I I pray that it would only be like a revival time for us. We're one step closer. Friends, stop living in a... a, You just think it's going to go on and going to go on and going to go on. Sometimes we need shaken up a little bit. We hear about China and the revival there. But now I think you all know that they're start. They don't allow the big gatherings anymore. So they've had to worship smaller groups and invite your neighbor. And people are getting baptized. In Africa, we've heard about the hundreds and thousands being baptized and coming to their churches and the government's wanting to make rules. You can't have a church. can't have a minister that's not a qualified, been to theological school. It's Satan trying to stop the revival. But you can't stop the bride. They've made room for the word, friends. But when the going gets tough and we get in the squeeze... Make sure you squirm up. Don't fall out now. People have no room. They, they, because he was wrapped different. He was wrapped up like a baby. Wrapped in a manger. Come from a poor people. From a bunch of fanatics. And they couldn't receive him. Brother Bram said, no wonder there's no room for him in the inn. There's no room for him in the churches. They oust him. They don't believe in it. They said, away with it. We don't want nothing to do with it. It's against our father's doctrines, the doctrines of the church, the doctrines of our creeds. Brother Branham said, Christ is just as rejected today as he was back there. There's no room tonight in our good churches. Our big churches, our fine churches. And by the way, he's saying that in Jeffersonville. There's no room in our religious circles today for a Holy Ghost meeting. They don't want it. I think we should want it. Amen. Amen. He said, it belittles them in the sight of the classes of the country. It belittles them to think that they'd be humble themselves to come down to an altar and cry and tarry there till they're filled with power from on high. To rise up from there with newness of life and let women let their hair grow out. And act like women ought to and men throw away their cigarettes and quit their drinking and treat their families right. It's too much for them. They hold on to the creed of their church instead of receiving God's gift, God's Christmas gift. (gasps) You say you can't say that. He said it. I want to make room for the Christmas gift. 
And finally, right before the seals and God in simplicity, Brother Branham said, am I reading too much? Just listen to what he said coming into the seven seals. They thought such a one would certainly have to come with a great salute of angels. But he come by a stable. And in their own polished ethics, it was ridiculous for an ordinary human being to think that Almighty God, the great Jehovah, who owned the earth and created the whole thing. He created it all. Couldn't fix a place for his own child to be born. Better than some cow born over a manure pile. So it must not be God, Brother John, because if it was, this is God of the universe. This is the best he could do. Well, look at you tonight. Is this the best God could do? You say, well, if I could be like this, if I could be like that, is this the best God could do? Some of you are stuttering, but you need to say yes. Just throw open the door to the room. Is that really the word? You can have my bed. You can have our room, honey. We'll go sleep in the stable. Oh, no, no. People are too. They got it all down. They got their schedule. They got what they want. They already got their clothes laid out for tomorrow. And the right foot comes out first or the left foot this. and And they got everything planned about December and January. And God wants to do something. They say, no, no. And they're so rigid. God wants a church that's flexible. He wants a family that will say, Lord, not our will, but thine be done. Maybe you need to give a little bit more this year. Can God do any better than to have his baby born over a manure pile? He said, what was it? God in simplicity. That's what made him so great. See, the ethics of education cannot belittle itself like that. It just cannot stand it. But God is so great that he brought himself down to that, that not even clothes to put on his own child. Think of it, he said. And the world, there was no room in the inn. And he went into a cow stable and a little ledge, a little cave-like back in the side of the hill. And there upon a straw bed came the Son of God. Hallelujah. Then certainly the Lord could be born on this little ledge of mine. Don't you have a little ledge in your life? Can't you even talk about Jesus without your face getting red and so ashamed? Or is he the love of your life? Can you shout it on the mountain? Tell the world. Or are you just hiding behind the season? Are you just another person that's going to float through these next few weeks? Maybe holiday and get a day off of work and kids are out of school. Oh, yeah. Are you going to say, Lord, I want to make room? Brother Branham's last Christmas message. I was listening to it over and over and over again yesterday and today. Brother Branham's last Christmas message was 1964, December 21st. Why? It had to be shepherds. And he read Luke chapter 2, our opening scripture. He read that as his opening scripture. 
And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And he preached a whole message on why it had to be shepherds. Do you know why it had to be shepherds? Because shepherds received the lambs. Hallelujah. They didn't care about manure. They, they were used to it. A lot of us would have been going like this and, I'm not going in there. They, they have no room. But Jesus is in there. But the Messiah is in there. But, oh, but I'm too, dang, 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 dang. So he chose people that would gladly receive it. Come on, boys. Come on, family. Come on, church. Hallelujah. Wouldn't that be great to all be gathered around a stable, a little cave-like place? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise his name. Brother John, you're so dramatic. He's just a little baby. That's not how Simeon responded. Simeon came busting in there saying, where is the little baby? Where is he at? And everybody's going, oh, that prostitute. And everybody, oh, don't be next to her. Simeon comes busting in there. Where is he at? That baby ain't got no chance. It was born through an illegitimate... Mary, she's a teenager, got into trouble. That's what happened. No, Simeon came busting up there saying, praise God. I'm looking into the face of salvation. I've been waiting for this my whole life. In fact, now I can go. For mine eyes have seen the Messiah. I mean, look at this baby. And some were like, the baby? We don't want that baby. In fact, they don't even have, they're not even, they don't have enough money to bring a, a lamb. They just have some little turtle dove offering. That's the Messiah. And Anna comes busting in there, 84 years old. She's so happy. There he is. There he is. So whether you're young or whether you're old, somebody with a real revelation, when they get around Jesus, it causes them to act abnormal. But that's okay. We're all abnormal. We're all going to leave here one day in a new body. And they can say whatever they want then. They can say whatever they want now. We know what we got. We know where we're going. I'll take that gift. Brother Branham's last message, and I think it'd do good this these next few weeks. You can go through what Brother Branham... The messages that he spoke, Christmas messages, I've got them all here in front of me, right from 1949 all the way to 1964. He spoke Christmas messages in December. The deity of Jesus Christ, the great shining light. Where is he, king of the Jews? The unity of one God and one church. Why little Bethlehem? A super sign. God's wrapped gift. Christianity versus idolatry. Sirs, we would see Jesus. The falling apart of the world. The reproach for the cause of the word. Even after the seals, he spoke, why little Bethlehem? We have seen his star and have come to worship him. God's gifts always find their places. He said, what tape am I going to listen to this week? That'd be a good one. God's gifts always.
always find their place. And you say, Brother John, I've been wondering if I'm a seed of God. I'm wondering if I've got the Holy Ghost. I'm wondering if I even have a gift. You listen to that message. That'll do something for you. God's gifts always find their places. And there's not one of you that don't have a gift. You all have a gift. That ought to put a smile on your face. So when you listen to these things and finally why it had to be shepherds. And at the end of that service, Brother Branham said, here, I've been here for three years. I've been here in Arizona for three years and none of you've asked me. Because they were caught up in church politics. And if you come to our church, then we can't have you at this church. And oh, we couldn't go to that church because then these people over here and all the nonsense. Same nonsense today. I would just say, sirs, we would see Jesus. Give me Jesus this Christmas. So as our musicians come, but before you come, because I want you to hear this. Is there room in the inn? In 2018. Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your day? Got time to eat. Got time to sleep. Got time to do that. And social media. And cell phones. And driving. Is there more room in your schedule. For Christ. Is there room in your life? People are showing by their life. They have no room for Christ. Is there room in your school for more of God? Is there room in your relationships for more of God? Is there more room in your quiet time for God? Your casual time? Is there room in your home for God? I say yes. In 2018, there is room in our house for more of God. We're going to make room. If we got to put an addition on. If we got to say, Lord, take this house. Or this is going to be our prayer time. We're going to do this. And we're going to start with 10 minutes. And we're going to, we're going to take 15 minutes tonight. And we're going to turn our cell phones off. And we're going to look at one another. And talk to one another. Like we used to. That's making room. That's showing value. That's saying this is important. You're important to me. So I'm turning off my cell phone. Is there room in your business for more of God? Is there room in your automobile, your car, your van, your truck? On the sky train when everybody's got their little buds in? They're listening to something. Some music, some article, some podcast. Some... Is there anything wrong with listening to the prophet? Say, I have no time, Brother John. I'm so busy. What are you listening to? You're going to clean your house, maybe. Sweep, iron. You could be listening to a message. You could be streaming a service. The world has capitalized. They have aced it on what to do. And if you want to be successful, do the certain thing. As believers, you can ace this. You can learn to, I've got 10 minutes. I'm going to be on the sky train for 45 minutes. That's prime time. So do you have time on the bus? On the bicycle? Say, I'm making room. And in conclusion, is there room for health in your body? Is there room for peace 
in your spirit? Is there room for faith in your soul? Who appreciated that this morning? Dramatic, whatever it takes. Bring arrows in. Whatever. It's good teaching, Brother Tim. We need that. Hallelujah. Someone said to me, man, wasn't that a great service this morning? I said, did you tell him? Oh, I don't know. I know. We need to communicate with one another and tell the song leaders they're doing a good job. I, I was awake at four or five this morning and I was thinking of Brother Benjamin Hoffman. And I, I was praying for Brother Benjamin Hoffman, one of our piano players. And I was looking for an opportunity today to see him. I've got to tell him. I didn't text him, but tonight he walked into the study. I said, Brother Benjamin Hoffman. This morning, four or five o'clock in the morning, I was thinking of you. I was praying for you. We ought to do more of that. You say, well, that never happens to me. Well, you can pray that God puts you on somebody's heart. Or, or better than that, you start praying for others. And when Job prayed for his friends, God answered his prayer. Is there room? Is there more room? I say, Lord, there is room. In the end. God bless you tonight. Let's stand to our feet. I wanted to sing that song. Word of God ever true. Changing me. Changing you. Hallelujah. This Christmas can be different. Hallelujah. Lord, you're making room in my life. For more of you. Word of God ever true. Amen. Let's sing this as our musicians come. Hallelujah. It's been a good day today. Tell one another, shake, turn around and shake somebody's hand and say, God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. Give them a good hearty handshake. God bless you, brother. Hallelujah. Holy words, long preserved for our
Jesus, Lord, we thank you tonight, God. I pray that our hearts, Lord, would begin to move out now and make room more for you, Jesus. Starting with me, starting with us, Lord. Let there be, Lord, a movement in our lives. We have time for so many things. We have room for you, Lord. Let us throw open the doors and throw open the bedrooms. Oh, God, don't let us be isolationists and just going in and closing in. But let us be open. Let us be with one another, Jesus. I pray you take anything out of our lives that's not of you, Father. Is there anyone that would like to raise your hand and say, Lord, I want to give you more room this year, 2018. Father, let it be a reality to us, Jesus. Our marriages, our children, our teenagers, our, our families could be so revolutionized. Our church, what could happen if we'd all individually and collectively to say, Lord, we give you the room. We make room. Lord, look out across this room tonight and see our hearts. See the desires in our hearts. It's for more of you, God. Lord, don't move on down the road to another place. Let it never be said that we're too busy. Or that we don't have the time. Or that we're too tired. We do get tired. We do get busy. We're all guilty, Lord, of of clutter. But I pray this time of the year would be more sacred. As we heard Wednesday night, the token would mean more to us and our children and our loved ones. It wouldn't just be a lot of jokes and frolic and looseness, but life would take on a greater meaning. Yes, Lord, deeper prayer, deeper in the word, more meaningful relationships. More moments to ponder. More room in our minds. More room in our health. If anyone here is sick, Lord, there's room for healing in their bodies. And in the name of Jesus, may the virtue flow into them even now. Oh, Jesus, it just takes a moment for the Lord to come by. As our dear sister with the crystals and the last Sunday and having that in her body and the vertigo at the close of the service you ministered to her I pray tonight you continue to minister to her Lord we love your healing oh God when you show yourself in the atonement and redemption come by our way this season Lord and bring salvation to our homes bring your presence down into our homes Let us learn to laugh again and learn to just cry out to you, Lord, and be together. Work with us, Lord, more and more as we see the day approaching, Lord. We want to pray one for the other. Even those of our teenagers and young people that are in Africa, Lord, Sister Brooke in Tanzania this past week and coming home. Such a wonderful picture of her today I saw with the group. These are wonderful moments, Lord. And and our 
the Powell family and how our sister Taylor and brother TJ are visiting South Africa and being in that continent this month. I pray a blessing upon them, Jesus. And others that are traveling or will be visiting. I pray there would be a special visitation in our automobiles. On the sky train, on the bus, as we walk down the road, and maybe a crisp, crispy air. Let us be thankful, God, that you've given us so much. We bless your holy name tonight, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing and a thousand hands to clap at the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father. Go with us this week, Lord, even Wednesday night, a special speaker. I pray the Holy Ghost would use our brother and that you mightily visit him for what we have need of. Bring our brother Murphy home safely and Sister Tracy and those that went with him. I pray the road home tonight and their fellowship would be wonderful. I pray right now you'd be with Brother Kyle Morton and Brother Anselm there in Victoria and the decisions that are being made even this very minute. I pray the Holy Ghost would be there, Lord in the conversation and that the the spiritual mind of Christ would drop down into the hearts of men and women and they would begin to make decisions that would move the church forward. God, we want to be in our place this week, God. We want to be about our post of duty. Let us be encouraging to one another. Our burdens are not getting lighter. As we go along, many burdens are getting heavier. But may we bear one another's burdens. And be our brother's keeper. And help our sister. Oh, Father, we bless your holy name. There is room in the inn. We give you glory. In Jesus' name. Can't you see why I'm happy? Oh, can't you see Tennessee, back in the East Coast, had to cancel services today because of the weather. You were in the house of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God in the highest. May God bless your week. Have a victorious week. And may God bless you as we sing that again. We'll shake hands and you're dismissed. It was a blessed service, Brother Joe. Thank you for praying. Oh, can't you see? God bless you. Wow.